With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of Blue Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Season's back. So are we. We never left. Don't tell anybody. BSBOTs, our Discord access, and more. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway. For the whole season, sign up now, get no ads on your podcast, and get 15% off for the entire year. Okay, Greg and I are solo because we're recording after the Arizona game. Uh, We have a lot of questions to answer after the first three games, a lot of things to talk about. So why even wait? Help us out, go to the Patreon, and let's get to Mark Messier. Here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another good Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, for the eighth season of covering New York Rangers hockey. Three games in, season's over, two and one. What do you, what's up, Greg? How are you? Say hello. <laughs> well, the Rangers did something the Devils couldn't do. Win games? Which was, well, beat them. God, well, that. They lost tonight, didn't they? They did, I believe so. I'm going to wow. double check before I shit my bag here. No, um, you know what the fun part about this is? You and I have no idea what the Devils fans did because we're normal people that have friends. Yeah, I, should, I don't check the standings of what the Devils are doing every single night. I so sure weird, don't, isn't buddy. That? God, what a concept. Yeah. Uh, look, I think these first three games had three entirely different tones about them. Uh, game one, and I, I think we have a full hour here. We have no guests, so we have a lot of time to dive into everything. But game one had a, uh, hey, we're still around. We're still a serious team to deal with. Shockingly, um, you're going to have to deal with a team that has made a lot of tactical and coach uh, adjustments. Mm. And they just played a dominant game. Top, front to finish. Front to finish. Use back, uh, whatever you want to call it. The whole, the whole fucking front, game. They were great. Front, front to finish. We're changing front the name of the podcast. God damn it. Then the second <laughs> game, uh, just one of those strange games that you would imagine to happen around December Two called back goals for the Rangers, one called back goal for the Blue Jackets. Just kind of got away from them, had all the momentum, and then things just went to shit. And then tonight was a snoozer. Straight up, we were recording right after the Arizona Coyotes home opener uh, at MSG. And I would say most of the game was a nothing burger, a little bit of ref tomfoolery, uh, a Panarin stop breakaway, a 5v3 that the Coyotes couldn't score on, and then a battle and a brawl where Igor Shesterkin had to hold a guy against Matt Dumba against the glass. Question mark? So it's a little I bit, a little bit of everything, but what was that? No idea. No idea what happened there at the end, but I'm, no sure, so, like, I'm sure something was said in the face-off, and that's just how you... Guys being dudes, Ryan, what are you going to do? I saw um, Davey Upper on Twitter retweeted the Adam Fox when he left the ice for a little bit and went back to the locker room. It did look like Clayton Keller tripped his leg a little bit after the play, which caused him to fall and hit his head. Part of that looked intentional. Part of it also could have easily been an accident momentum on ice. So I can't blame Clayton Keller for being like an Adam Fox attacker. But maybe that's how they saw it, and that's what started everything. Or it could just be guys being dudes, like you said. I think it's guys being dudes. Keller and Fox have a pretty close relationship off the ice, from what I understand. Um, 
I think it's just guys being dudes. I don't know. Ice is slippery, Ryan. Shit happens when you fall down. I'm Momentum not gonna, physics. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna hold Clayton Keller's feet to the fire metaphorically here because he dove for a puck to try to chip it out of the zone and then his body turned in a way and there happened to have been another guy on knives tied to his feet that was in the perfect position to get his legs swept out from under him. Shit happens. Fox came back. He's fine. More importantly, he stayed on the ice long enough for the power play. Yes. He's now three for three. Uh, over. When, when's, when are they going to learn, Ryan? When are, when are DraftKings, friend of the show, going to learn not Future to make sponsor. The, yeah. Adam Fox over half a power play point bet plus money? It's extremely rude of you to tell them this. <laughs> they, <laughs> some of them listen, which is annoying. Actually, one of them be, runs their social media. <laughs> to be fair, opening night it was plus 145. The past two nights it's been plus 130. So they're quickly learning, and I think it's because I ran my mouth uh, opening night. But Fitz runs his mouth about it too. It's constantly about uh, just Fox is a, is, is a bucket, man. He really is. I don't know what He's else great. to say about it. He's great. Uh, and it's, again... <laughs> Fox getting a power play point every night on the first power play line is just another reason why we all make a big deal about nothing when it comes to what five players are on the ice for power play one because it just doesn't fucking matter if four of them are our Tommy Panarin, Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad, and Chris Kreider. The second power play tonight especially was pretty clinical. It was just like Mika bomb, Mika bomb. Okay, stop that, stop that. Cycle the puck with Adam Fox. Okay, bread shoots, tip in by a Trocek goal. It's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's really hard to stop. Yeah, yeah. Have a good point, really good point. Yeah, it, it is what it is. But I think your assessment of the first three games to circle all the way back there is fair. We talked about opening night on uh, BSBOT. We'll do a little bit of it again tonight just yeah. to reiterate. But. It, it was a clinic. Um and it was a clinic in a way where it was impressive. It was more impressive to me than opening night last year because, one, the opponent. The Rangers were playing the Lightning last year versus the Sabres this year. They had a chip on their shoulder from the playoffs. They had something to prove in that game specifically to the Lightning and to announce to the NHL, like, hey, by the way, we're back. Whereas tonight, the fan base, us, we're all kind of underselling what the Rangers are doing um, just look at any analytical model. Everybody loves the Rangers. They they think they're going to be one of the better teams in hockey. And the fan base is like, I don't know. We sucked ass last year. We got <laughs> we older suck. in the summer. <laughs> we have a new coach that we're not overly thrilled about. We were terrible in the preseason, blah, blah, blah. Vibes were at an all-time low going into the opening night, and the Rangers were like, and the Rangers showed up in a way that I think made us take a step back and go, oh, oh my, is this team actually good? to run back an old bit. Um, yeah. I Night two against Columbus. It's not a bit. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's, it's totally different. Uh, night two against Columbus. That's just a, what are you going to do game to me? You, you're going to, I got news guys. The Rangers are going to have 15 more of those this it year. It was such a throwaway game. And I, I can't believe I watched the whole thing on a whole Saturday thing. night. Yeah. I just watched the whole thing. I knew it was over. I was like, they're down 3-1. I was like, they can get back into this. The We're going to talk extensively in a couple of minutes about the panarin uh, Heedle lafreniere line, which uh, I, which I think maybe we should talk about what's been working and what hasn't so far, just to overreact, as we tend to do. But they were buzzing. Like, they scored the goal. The Heedle goal was filthy. Called back. Awesome. And I was like, all right, they're down 3-1. They can get back into this. No big deal. Immediately, they score again. Boone Jenner hat trick. I was like, all right, never mind. Like, we're good. <laughs> but Sam Rosen did call Boone Jenner Bruce Jenner. So that was a W. <laughs> big win. Like, like, 
I think it was, I forgot. I think it was McBearcat who asked me, um, like, what's the biggest mistake Sam could make this season? And I was like, dude, there's no way he could beat Ryan, uh, Nolan Ryan. That was up there. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Bruce Jenner's name isn't even Bruce anymore, which yeah. makes it even better. No excuse me on that one. You know, that's a conversation I've been meaning to have with my dad. Just being like, hey, man. That's a weird transition. <laughs> um, I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna let that one hang out there i'm not gonna just, say anything I, else I, I think you don't need to say anything else we could continue yeah. yeah i'm with you blue jackets game total throwaway i wasn't even a piss i wasn't mad i thought dude when they get to, when they get to the third period and they're just dominating and i mean more more dominant than i've seen the rangers in a long time 16 straight shots full pressure i believe at one point a zone Zone control was like 14 minutes of the 15 minutes of that period was played in the Columbus Blue Jackets zone. Shots on shots on shots. Backup goalie comes in, of course. Fresh AHL, back e-bug kind of situation. Amazing saves. And uh, then they immediately score on a 3-on-1 breakaway. It's like, okay, game's over. Cool. Awesome. But at least I saw what I needed to see. Yeah, I... I'm not going to be the guy who comes on a podcast and says, I had, I saw a lot of positives in that loss. There are no moral victories, especially. I'll do them. them. No, but I I know what people are saying. It's like, we lost to the Blue Jackets, a game we should have won. How can you guys be so positive about it? The Rangers were never out of the game. Braden Schneider had a bad night. He's had Um, a bad season so far, that's for sure. It's been tough. We'll get to the five-star questions later because there's one, and I got news for what the answer is going to be. Um but it was an especially bad game. Kako tried to do too much, which led to a goal that Schneider couldn't get back on. Schneider couldn't clear a puck. Shesterkin, frankly, had an off night, uh, which, I don't know. These things just happen sometimes. The New York Rangers are going to lose at least 30 games this year, and 20 of those losses are going to be games like they played on Saturday where some wonky shit happens, the Rangers play well, all things considered, but they're not going to get the result at the end of the day. It's tough, man. It is demoralizing. These guys are humans, right? I think, last I checked, yep. it is demoralizing to have two goals, whether the calls were correct or not. I, I'm yet to see the puck on the second call, but I'm trusting people that it was there. Uh, the first one was clearly offsides, which is just a bummer because it was such a beautiful goal. It, it, but it's demoralizing to have two calls come out. Two and then sickles. Truba sickles. does. I mean, Truba has been really good the first three games of this year, by the way. Uh, agree. Totally uh, agree. Does everything he can. That, that gets a call wiped off the board for Columbus. But I don't know. Nothing about that game was normal. And to put it bluntly, I had to watch the Columbus Blue Jacket stream because MSG Go hates Spectrum. That That is the lesson I've learned through uh ms sorry msg plus they fu- fucking hate spectrum um that's <laughs> well, great they're not alone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the spectrum has a weird relationship with this podcast in no does, way do they yes. sponsor it well, yes. um, but anyway i had to watch the columbus blue jacket stream on saturday and during the second period i think they had to change the glass along the boards in one of the far corners and they were talking about Merzlikens and how he's played a good game and they're doing uh, a hero cam of him because they don't want to show, for whatever reason, the glass being changed. And Merz Lincolns is dumping an entire water bottle on his head and then puts his hands on his knees and starts heaving, which is all I can really call it. And I'm watching the game with our buddy Jeff. 
I'm not really thinking about anything at the first time. I was like, oh, maybe it's just this is like a breathing exercise for him. That's interesting. And then all of a sudden, Ryan, what I can only call goop starts yes. coming out the bottom of his max. Yeah. And I remember I, I turned to Jeff and I go, Jeff, is he vomiting? <laughs> and, and, the, and Jeff was, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, look at the screen. That's not water dripping out of his mask. That's something else. And for whatever reason, Ryan, God bless the Columbus Blue Jackets booth. Not once did they mention it. (laughs) They're just blissfully unaware that on live TV with the camera in his face, Elvis was puking his guts out on the ice. And then the third period starts like, well, I don't know what happened, but Elvis isn't out there. And then three minutes go by and they go, well, apparently he has an illness and he's questionable to return. And I was like, yeah, he was vomiting. MSG's, MSG did not show the vomit. Uh, I oh, think, right. Uh, it was, it, it's, it literally, it was, it wasn't, dro- it was more than drool, but it wasn't chunks. I think goop is the way to go. Goop, I think it's, goop yes. is the best way to describe it. He, vomiting. And at no point did the Blue Jackets booth think to address the fact that their goalie who's hunched over and heaving is having weird sticky liquid drip down his face. So then the backup goalie comes in. The Rangers can't figure it out. 17 minutes of just shooting on this guy. Nothing. We lose the game. Hey, it happens. Shit happens. I, shit, again, shit happens. I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. The New York Rangers didn't look like they were outplayed. For long stretches of that game, they looked the better team. Two guys specifically had bad nights in my eyes, and it just so happened that those two guys were Schneider and Shesterkin. Shit happens. You lose those games sometimes. Wheeler, too, but it's been a little bit different. Wheeler's uh, an interesting one. You want to get into that now before we talk yeah. about tonight's game? Yeah, we'll talk about tonight's game after Wheeler. Because Wheeler got double shi- There was a couple times Panarin's been double shifted for Wheeler uh, in the Blue Jackets game and also in tonight's game versus the Coyotes. He's been taken off of Power Play 2 after two games. Uh, look, whatever that means, Power Play 2 actually got time on night one. We'll talk about all the changes Laviolette has put into this team a little bit later. But Wheeler has been, particularly at least from the untrained podcaster eye, um, slower, uh, hasn't really been able to find his way into the the team just yet. I think his line, Trocek and Cooley, have been pretty phenomenal for the most part. I really like the way they're both playing so far this season. I haven't really noticed Wheeler. He's kind of falling under the, oh, he's out there situation. Like, oh, I didn't really, he hasn't really affected a lot of play or made a play that I it has caught my eye even in the three games. And look, three games is a small sample size. It's just like, if this is a random week in February and Wheeler had three of these games, like maybe we don't, maybe we don't bring this up. Maybe we don't talk about it. It's the beginning of the season. But so far, uh, I would say he's been maybe the most unimpressive forward outside of maybe Picklick. But Pitlick also sat a game as well. But you're also not expecting Pitlick to do anything. And Pitlick's actually played pretty well on the penalty kill. Uh, That's correct. Especially on opening night. It's one of those moments with Wheeler where I have to remind myself what number he is and if I'm simply missing his number on the ice. To me, it was weird that in the game against Columbus, I'm, I am I hawk the beats a lot because they're in the building and I assume they know more than I do. And it was odd to me that nobody else was saying the part out loud that Panarin was getting double shifted. Um, and that just made it even more curious to me. And then I don't think Laviolette was asked about it after the game. So I don't I don't know what's happening because nobody's asked the question yet. It is weird, right? Like, it's been two – it's happened twice now. And maybe we are recording immediately after the Yotes game. So 
there could be a chance that Vince or Molly or Colin or anybody else asks this question, but it has been when the Rangers need a goal, they do double shift Panarin, which is just something that did not happen last year. Well, to be fair, Panarin deserves to be double shifted. He's playing phenomenally. Um, He's out of his mind so far this season. I'd say at even strength, him and Heedle have been the two most noticeable and effective forwards in my eyes, which mm-hmm. makes everything that Heedle, Lafreniere, and Panarin doing at 5v5 just amazing for me, and we'll get into that later. Yeah, here's the good news here, Ryan, is one, I'm sure you saw Brennan Othman is fucking lighting it up in Hartford yeah, already. Yeah, I, I, I like Othman as a player. I, he needs to take his time. Keep it sure. going. Right, I'm in no hurry, all right? I, <laughs> you guys had to listen to podcasts when Brett Beatty was hitting 420 in April, and I was like, great, I don't care. Don't bring him up. He stinks. Um, the good news, though... The reason why you bring Wheeler in on a $0 deal, which is essentially what Truba did, uh, <laughs> what, that was that was a complete slip. I meant to say Drury and Truba was just the name that came out. Look, we do this podcast <laughs> for too long. We know the truth. The secret yeah, is in yeah, front of you, everybody. I said what I said. The captain brought in the former Jets captain. I get it. Um, yeah, the nice thing about Wheeler being in the position that he's in is everything we're saying can be true, that he's underwhelming probably the best way to describe it not ideal struggling out of the game noticeable i think that's the way i'd put it yeah the beauty of it ryan is he doesn't have to be no we're not relying on him being this focal point that determines the rangers season he is quite literally a bonus if he plays well that's wonderful it's not expected and frankly it's not going to be the thing that turns the Rangers season on its head. And look, I don't think they would do this. And I don't think Wheeler would really, I don't know if he has a choice, but to accept it or not. I think he'd be fine on the fourth line. If he wanted to do that for a couple games, I love the idea of playing Jimmy VC with Trocek and Will Cooley. That seems like a very fun line to me uh, in terms of the, the checking and the, and the kind of the shutdown that they can provide. Not a lot of offense, but it's going to be hell to play against that. And then Wheeler just out there on your fourth line, kind of getting sheltered minutes until he figures it out. I know that they're going to give this more time. Laviolette has been patient. He's made a lot of great adjustments so far in this season. I have nothing but nice things to say about Laviolette so far, which feels really strange to say on uh, whatever date this is, the 16th of October. So that might be an option they do in the next couple days if Wheeler can't figure it out. But it's going to be a process. It's going to take a month or two for this team to really figure out where People should be on their lines, even though I think most of that is kind of clicking now. But for Wheeler, maybe he's learning the system a little slower. Maybe he's just a step too slow. I can't tell you what it is just yet, but I'm going to give him time to before I call this like a bus signing from Drury or anything like that. It really can't be a bust either. It's minimum. No. he. When we say something's no risk, that means there's no risk. He's easily replaceable. You can bury him if you send him to Hartford. You're essentially... He did you a favor by signing the contract, so you do him the favor of giving him a fairly long leash to try to figure it out. But if you get to a certain point in the season where Othman has, I don't know, 35 points in the first 25 games down in Hartford and you have to make a move, sorry, Blake, we we honestly tried. I I honestly would continue to keep him on the third line. I wouldn't move VC up. I don't think VC at full throttle isn't, so big a percentage increase in performance for that. The third line's playing fine right now with Trocek and Cooley. They're playing so well together 
that it almost doesn't matter who the right, right winger is on that line. So why not let it be Blake Wheeler? He's going to get, that line will get more minutes and more opportunity against weaker opponents. If that can't get him going, then it's not going to get going. But I'll, I, I'm honestly 15, 20 games. If he wants to be phantom Jake esque in that realm, uh, I, I, we have time to figure this out. I'm in no hurry. He's not going to cost, he's not going to cost the New York Rangers hockey games. So why not have the leash there for him? Yeah, I thought that was uh, not to straw man this for a second, but I did think it was kind of funny to have this um, moment tonight that a couple of people I saw were like, Pitlick needs to be out of the game and VC needs to be back in. It's like, dude, it's a 1-1 game. Because <laughs> 1-1 versus the Coyotes. We cannot be blaming Tyler Pitlick for this. This is this is not how this works. The top nine has to score another goal. They did. They won. Whatever. It's games like this happen. The Leafs absolutely destroyed uh, over two games. Ma- Matthews had uh, two hat tricks, and then they promptly got their asses kicked tonight. This happens in the NHL. It, it, you're always going to have games where, uh, up and down. You can't expect it to always go the way you want. And I'm not going to blame Tyler Pitlick for, for that. That just seems very, very silly. No, the, the reason why Tyler Pitlick is in the lineup is to limit the opportunities for other teams to score, which New York Rangers did perfectly well tonight. Tyler Pitlick is not in the lineup to score goals himself. That's the job of the nine highly paid players above him. Uh, and they eventually did it. So, I don't know. It, it's just, it's such a yeah, small sample man, size. But it's, it's... No, but it's also, listen, we over we overreact and act rationally about everything, including us in that anyway. But it's, I don't know. It just, dude, two points feel more important every night not in necessarily our eyes, but when I'm reading Twitter, when I'm scrolling Twitter, I get the vibe that if the New York Rangers lose a second game this year, that might be it for them based on how some people are treating the season. I think um, there was a good portion of the fan base, at least on Saturday night, that kind of laughed that game off. Like, hey, we're so back. Like, this is Rangers hockey. And I, I think there, if there was a, there's another way the team could have got blown out where they were lifeless, where they came out and just looked like they didn't know what they were doing being outplayed. They were dominant for long stretches of that game, and a lot of fans saw that, and that's totally fine. It's fine to lose a game 5-1 that you're – or five, five, I said 5-1, but they lost 5-3, uh, that you're absolutely dominant in that way. It's fine. It's totally cool. Like, I think people start to see that, and that's okay. There's just – the New York Rangers are going to be really good this year, and if they, if they buy some miracle win 55 games, that does mean they lost – at least 27. Well, that's what that's what's pretty funny. That's why I said the middle of, of February. There'll be a, a February week where there's four games and we'll come on this podcast and we might re- cover one of them. <laughs> like We might actually talk about what happened in one of those games and maybe another one in OT. But there are plenty of times later in the season that you and I more talk about the narrative from the week than each individual game. But the first three weeks, and that's kind of about it, we we do overreact to the first 10 to 15 games in a big sample size. And then everything else sort of starts to blend together with the outliers of the crazy games, like a Mika five goal or something else of that ilk. And that's, that's how the season goes every I, single year. I totally forgot there was, it's Monday. I, there's a football game. I haven't looked at it once. Monday night football. Is that the thing? I think the Cowboys are playing. That can't be true. America's team. <laughs> I don't. I haven't paid attention to NFL in a while. Oh, so. it looks like a real barn burner. It's ten seven Cowboys. Woo! Ugh, the Phillies are winning too. I hate sports. Let's talk more about the Rangers. Yeah. Um. 
I asked a dumb question to Hockey Statbinder. I'm going to throw it your way. Oh, God. It's really dumb. Uh, you saw the penalty shot, obviously. Oh, Igor's... I saw I saw this question. Yeah. Igor Shosturkin, slow, looks like it's slow motion, just stops the puck, doesn't hardly moves. It looks like he didn't even care or was stressed at all. Uh, if you're the Coyotes, would you rather have a power play than take a penalty shot? Or is it always statistically the penalty shot is like a 50-50, whatever you want to do? I think it's always I, – I personally hate penalty shots. I, this isn't soccer where the conversion rate is something like 88%. You're, who, who's the Rangers' best penalty shootout taker is Panarin, and he hovers around 58%. Like, I'd rather have the two minutes. I'd rather get the key penalty killers I'm tired. I you agree with me. This, yeah. I did not expect this. No, I, I, I think – I would love it if the Rangers gave up nothing but penalty shots instead of power plays. I, I'm pretty sure Igor is going to stop 85% of the penalty shots that come his way. Whereas the best penalty-killing units are killing, what, 83? Like a, This is one of those PFF things where going forward increases your odds of winning the game by 3.6%. And on one hand, I'm supposed to act like that's a significant number. On the other hand, I do realize that one number is bigger than the other. And I think Igor stops more. He's four for four on penalty shots in his career. Yep. He's not perfect on the penalty kill. He's let up power play goals. He let up power play goals to the goddamn blue jackets and tonight to the coyotes. So it's, yeah, I, I, it's almost like if, if you were to baseball this, would you rather start extra innings with a man on second base or would you rather have your best home run hitter up with a 2-0 count to start the inning? It's that one. Yeah. No, it's I'd rather start with the man on second base. Oh, sorry. I I, I was thinking there were people on base as well. No, no. With the home run hitter. Base sorry, is my empty. Best it, home it, run hitter, 2-0 count. Got it. Yep. It, it's same way. Uh, I just, I would rather have, if I was... If I'm the Coyotes, I'm like, no, no, thank you. I will I'll go on the power play. Uh, we'll play 5v4, and I'll at least tire out Mika Zabinajad and Chris Kreider a little bit more and hopefully win this game uh, by taking a lot of shots on Igor Shesterkin because I, I just I have a better shot of tricking him with the deflection and chaos in front than I do beating him one-on-one. How about how about this? Can I turn this on its head a little bit? Please. Wouldn't you for. rather that decision be a bench decision as opposed to a ref decision? Yes. Wouldn't it be more interesting if the ref was like, you have a choice here of a power play or a penalty shot Yep, in you this choose. specific situation? Because there, there are situations where I would like the penalty shot, say if the Rangers are already up two goals in the third period, and I can simply have Artemi Panarin go out there and try to make it a three-goal game and ice the game. Um, and I wouldn't want the the wonkiness of a power play and potentially giving up a shorthanded chance going the other way. I'd rather it be a bench decision than simply being given the penalty shot. I, I think that would make the game more interesting at the same time, you know, refs these days, they make good defensemen. So who knows? Oh, ref, that was so bad. All right, let's take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and talk about all the little changes that have happened on the coaching this year, comparatively to last year. All right, quick transition. Hey, yo, they're back. Who's they, you ask? It's TickPick, our official ticket sponsor of this podcast. How long are they back for? The entire New York Rangers season, that's right. TickPick is sponsoring this podcast for the whole season. And what does that mean for you? That means promo code BLUESHIRTS is available for you to use again. First-time purchaser of the TickPick app. 
can get $15 off an order for New York Rangers tickets or other tickets. Check that out. My favorite thing about TickPick, we've been working with TickPick for, I don't know, seven years now? Long time? Good friends over there. Guess what? No fees. Best prices. One of my favorite places ever to check tickets. Anytime I'm going to an event, want to see the tickets in a row, ranked by score. Like, I think this is an A-plus deal. Okay, this person is selling for an unreasonably low price. I'm going to go. I use TickPick. And if you want to use TickPick, you should too by using code BLUESHIRTS. When you check out, let them know we sent you and use TickPick for all your ticketing needs. It beats all the other sites where you don't know what you're paying when you check out. Our friends at TickPick. Okay, back to the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Good break. Good break. Mm. Um, I'd like to break this down a little. You and I were. Uh, very I get critical. a good break. I like to break uh, this down. Uh, <laughs> you and I were very <laughs> critical of the lobby led hiring for a lot of reasons. And uh, on OT led last week, I I praised his performance so far. I've been nothing but impressed, and I'm I still feel that way. How many little changes have you noticed in this team? Just from three games. Before I, think I, I go, can name about ten. Before I go into that, instead of answering that question, let me and let me answer that question with a question of my own, Ryan. Love that. Are you more impressed by the job Laviolette has done with this team, or are you angrier in hindsight that we literally didn't have a coach last year? I. This is a hard question for me. It really is, but I do feel like I was appropriately pissed off. Uh, (laughs) I think I think there were plenty of times including last January and February during the losing streak where we came on this show and talked about this guy is not coaching he's not making adjustments he's starting the fourth line out there in the offensive zone when they have a face off (laughs) he's doing things that are just inexcusable and people are ignoring it because the Rangers are winning in spite of him uh, so I do want to give the coaching staff, whether it's Laviolette or whether it's Pekka or anybody else on the bench, I want to give them their their flowers because there's been a lot of small changes, uh, whether it's the way Keandre and others are defending forward, whether it's the 1-3-1 the when they're leading, whether it's the power play distribution, uh, the way they actually have set plays, whether it's sitting Ryan Ryan Lindgren when they did not need to sit Ryan Lindgren when he could have played. There's all these little tiny changes that are always been kind of these tropes of New York Ranger fandom. And, or at least over the last two years. And Laviolette has come in, and I can see the difference already in three games. The team's playing an entirely different style, and I didn't... 
I didn't expect it to be that different. Isn't is that weird? I'm gonna answer another one of your questions, and I'm eventually gonna say nice things about Peter Laviolette. I promise. But okay. I'm not, no, this is good. This I'm is not podcasting. done burying Gerard Gallant. Um, <laughs> so pour some more dirt on that. Grape. He gets fired from Columbus. None of us noticed because it happened in Columbus. He gets fired from Florida. We take notice because Florida was seemingly was playing well, and his exit was embarrassing for the Florida organization, where they call the literal taxi for him. So we go, well, that's interesting. He gets fired from Vegas, and we all kind of write it off as, well, they wanted DeBoer all along. He was a bit of a placeholder, even though they made the cup final the year before, and they're still playing seemingly well. When you want your guy, you want your guy. That's fine. This exit, being that it's New York, people watch, people care, people give a shit. He can't possibly get another job, right? So this is um this is the National Hockey League. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> All right, that's um, fair. Mike Babcock did get a job literally this I summer. Didn't get to coach, but he did get a job. I don't know how much of that contract he got, but he did get some. That's for sure. But it, it's not like every team they saw the Broncos try Tim Tebow and then he had to go play baseball. That I feel Which like he did is for many what, years. It's very strange. <laughs> for, for, there was a time there he was almost a New York Met. A legitimate, honest to God, the Mets needed an outfielder. He was almost that guy. But yeah, that, that but still, happened. every other sport, you look at a guy. I, I, I'm trying to think of the NBA equivalent of Gerard Gallant, and Fitz is probably yelling at his whatever device he's listening us to us on, being like, "Greg, I got a guy for you." Um, because what I was don't, the what was the what's the guy who is the commentator now that used to coach the Golden State Warriors? No, you know who he is. He's Dave Fisdale. Ooh, Fisdale, that's a good one. Because Fisdale, everyone got excited with what was going on in Memphis, being like, well, that's interesting that they fired him. And then the Knicks bring him in, and everyone thought, okay, the Knicks are turning a leaf here. This is, this is a good hire. Was and a then, cool guy, though. Way cooler vibes than, than Gerard Gallant. That's what he got away with. Sure. I, yeah. But then we saw him. We're like, holy shit. This guy sucks. He's not coaching. Isn't that weird? Oh my god! Yeah, I, I just I'm more mystified every day. By, we can sit here on this podcast, and it sounds ridiculous when we say something along the lines of the Rangers weren't being coached last year, and everyone listening is ha ha that Greg and Ryan they're so funny they're exaggerating they're speaking in hyperbole they're doing all these different things, and every day that goes by a new player steps up, I'm expecting. In four weeks, I expect someone to ask Braden Schneider a question, and he says something along the lines of, yeah, I didn't even know how to skate last year. No one was telling me to put one foot in front of the other. And it's like, how how in New York was this just happening and everyone accepting it? There was um, – this one I, is the one I thought was really weird, and I know we're doing a little bit of retrospective and putting the dirt on the grave here. Uh, I believe Trocek had a quote. Talking about, I don't know the exact quote, but talking about last year and how they weren't exactly coached. Um, do you know who had a big hand in bringing Trocek to the New York Rangers? <laughs> like a huge part of that? It was Gerard Glant. And whether it's Chris Drury, uh, who uh, he, he's the person that is the final say on those decisions. Gerard Glant had a big part of why Trocek became a Ranger because he had coached him before and they went out and got him. So for Trocek, who is Gallant's guy, to 
just come in and then after two years be like, no, I actually did hate him. I, I think says the most of, of pretty much everybody else. I don't have the exact quote. I'm sorry. I, I should probably know it by now. But I, I did notice that he did. He kind of threw some shade at, at Glance way. Very weird. Very anyway, weird. your original question was, yes. what changes have I noticed? Yes, it was. Obviously, the neutral zone play, the fact that the Rangers are playing in the neutral zone is fascinating. Um, did you see the faceoff stat? The 63% win faceoff is the highest since October 2019 for the New York Rangers. Huh, I wonder what those intermittent years were like uh, there. That's what, weird. What, what was happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the neutral zone play is big. You can tell that it does feel like they're I, – I am less frequently annoyed by the seeming need to go – left and right with the puck. It does seem like the Rangers are playing a more straight line, hard-nosed, direct path hockey, which is, they they still, every team with as much talent as the Rangers have should take chances across the middle. I'm not saying they shouldn't. It You could just tell that there is a plan there offensively now that isn't, gee, I hope my star makes a star play. Um. And I also think, I do think there's a notable difference in the defensive zone too when it comes to how defensemen are trying to exit the zone where Agreed. not everything needs to be an outlet pass like it felt like last year. Where guys, I don't know if this is specifically Gustafson simply coming into the lineup and having a third guy who was capable of doing this. But Jacob Truba, as much as I love the guy, was one of the chief criminals when it comes to i have puck must move puck get puck out must shoot puck from blue line yes. yeah and now it just feels like whenever when a ranger defenseman has the puck not just fox i feel confident that they're going to calm down play get the puck out of their zone effectively and be able to set up an honest to god offense where last year it was i hope one of my stars makes a play and more times than not they will because they're stars it just feels like there's a plan now and i appreciate a good plan the plan for the last two years was simple. It was Igor Shosturkin and our power play. And and for the love of God, after that, we have no ideas. <laughs> 5v5 practice? No, no no clue. Igor Shosturkin is very good. And Adam Fox can run a power play with Artemi Panarin. And Mika Zibinijad has a slap shot. And Chris Kreider can tip anything in. And that's about the entire plan. This time, and... I think about how simplistic. I, well, back to Gerard Gallant, Ryan, really. Back to that well. <laughs> how simplistic some of the line runs were for Gerard Gallant, which were first line, second line, third line, fourth line. And then after that, first line, second line, third line, fourth line. Cool. And with those, those changes, they would mostly f- keep the defensive pairs with the better players. So, for example, Adam Fox would pl- would, and Lindgren would play with the top line. Whether that was at the time, let's just pretend uh, for the nine games it was or whatever it was, Mika, Kreider, Zibanejad. And then when the second line came over, Truba, M- Miller. Mika, Kreider, and Zibanejad. Oh, Mika, Kreider, Kako. I'm sorry. Uh, it's It's been a long day. And then the second line would come over, Trocek, Panarin, an X player, whatever it was. And that, that, that line would play with Truba and uh, Miller. I don't know if you've noticed this, but Fox and Lindgren have been playing a lot already with Panarin, Heedle, and Lafreniere which is not considered the first line. I was like, uh, that's interesting. And then Miller and Truba have been playing with the Kako and Mika line. And whether that's 
maybe they have analytics or maybe they have a feel for it where they, we just want to try these lines out a little bit better or these combinations a little bit more. It seems planned. It seems deliberate. Because usually you would start Adam Fox with that first line, but they haven't a lot. It's not like Fox's time is being cut. It is not. He's still getting time with other players, of course. He's a monster and, a, and an offensive machine. Great. But those are the little tiny adjustments that we never saw ever last year, with very, very few exceptions, such as the Dallas game when they put Miller and Fox to score a goal. That's kind of it. Not not that far after that. Yeah, no, and it it makes sense when you think about how playing Fox, specifically with Panarin, just the makeup and composition, when you have, as much as we dunk on Truba for any time in the offensive zone, if he has the puck and he wants to shoot a howitzer, well, what one that person make, you want to shoot it at. Yeah, wouldn't it make all the sense in the world to have Kreider in front of the net for him to be doing these things? It's always made sense that way. And then Miller is such a perfect foil to everything specifically that Kako is doing where you have two guys that can just serve as a vacuum for the puck and keep it in the zone. Whereas Perrin and Fox, I don't think of them necessarily as needing the puck on their stick all the time, but they're trying to find creative passes, multiple passes, lanes, openings. They are seeing the ice differently together. Whereas Kako and Miller, it is a possession game with them where they are best when they have the puck and are waiting for other players to make a mistake before moving the puck off their stick. Their style works together. And then frankly, I think the reason why it's been so disappointing feels strong, but suboptimal that Schneider has come out of the gates a bit slow is because I like what Gustafson does when he plays with either of the bottom six lines. He He's doing all these high IQ, smart plays, but Schneider has just made so many noticeable, I'd call them whoops-a-daisies at this point. I'm not concerned with Schneider this year. It's just, I think it's more visible because the other chemistry projects that Laviolette is working on are paying off immediately. And it's tough when Schneider, it, man, it, and it was a, you, you kind of felt for Jones. It's not like Jones had a super great game no, against Columbus. No, man. But you felt for Jones because it was his first game of the year. He knows he's not going to have a lot of opportunities to really make a name for himself in this lineup, even though it does sound like Laviolette, finally, for the first time in history, seems like a Rangers coach that is willing to rotate guys in and out of the lineup, regardless of what they did the night before. But Jones, more than any other player, really could have used a good game. And Schneider was such a dud that I think it brought Jones down with him against Columbus. And that is a bit of a bummer. It is. Uh, I, I think Jones has the flashes. Uh, I think he's a great puck mover. Here's the thing. He's just miscast as a New York Ranger right now. He's totally miscast. And Schneider has not had the adjustment. He's looked, he's gotten caught a couple of times, especially on the penalty tonight, or the penalty shot rather, um, not the penalty power play as we talked about. And he just got caved in. He's made some bad turnovers. He's been pressured in ways that are, are shocking. Like he wasn't with Ben Harper. Like I, I, it sounds really, really stupid to say that, but so far he hasn't found the chemistry with the new partner yet, which sometimes by the way, <laughs> takes a long time. I mean, he did play with Lieber Hayek randomly well, for a while. You know what it, you know what it feels like 
Mm. It feels like Schneider doesn't really know how to play with an actually good defenseman. It's like, this guy could play. I don't need to just stay at home and cry the whole time. <laughs> weird. Oh, by the way, uh, Libor was finally released from PTO. Sorry. Oh. I know. Oh, the kayak. No. My heart will go on. All right. We'll keep an eye on if he ends up in Chicago. Uh, do we want to talk? Uh, yeah, Jesus. Do we want? Do we want to talk about the line at all with Panarin and, and and Lafreniere? What you thought about the? We talked a lot about right wing Lafreniere so far uh, in the past podcast, but have it's forty minutes in and we've yet to bring him up once. I mean, it it's cooking with gasoline. Is it what is it's right. Doing. It it's is the Rangers. It's the Rangers' best line consistently. I once again uh, famously was not able to listen to Sam and Joe tonight. It's actually fascinating being able to listen to the other team's broadcasters when they're talking about how the Rangers are playing and the Coyotes broadcasters at different points throughout the game said things along the lines of boy, that Phil Heedle, Holy shit. Is he making a difference tonight? Are you serious? Yeah. And I'm just That's like, sick. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> speak your truth. Say it more, which was a lot better than the Columbus blue jackets uh, announced team who, as the game started, said the Rangers scratched Ryan Lindgren and then proceeded to call Eric Gustafson Ryan Lindgren for 17 minutes. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> That's amazing. That's <laughs> uh, Columbus. But yeah, no, it's that line. Panarin is, I think, playing the best hockey he's ever played since he signed with the New York Rangers. I don't need him to have 10 points by this point in the season. He's had ridiculous point streaks that I think mask how he plays on a night-to-night basis. He is out there playing like a man possessed these first three games. And he, he, it's just a perfect partnership with both Hedl and Lafreniere where they're essentially doing everything that Panarin wants them to do. And they're doing it with gusto and effectiveness we have not seen in some time. I ah, Is it crazy, Ryan? That I think that line should be getting the most even strength minutes of all four lines right now? No, not at all, especially with Adam Fox playing with them. I think that's one thing we we started having conversations with last year. I was like, hey, why is this certain line not performing? It's like, well, it's not playing with Adam Fox. That's really that's really what it comes down to. But with the the speed of which Hedl and Panarin are playing right now and the way that Panarin can feed either of those guys and Hedl is so not afraid to shoot in a way that I remember last year we kind of had a, a debate like who was the most willing to shoot on the New York Rangers. It was I think it was a whole podcast we did once. <laughs> wow, we've done a lot of stuff. And Mika Sabinajad was the easy answer for me. <laughs> Jacob Truba. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jacob Truba was up there as well. I, I think I think like third or fourth you had Heedle, and I was surprised at the time. I was like he Philip Heedle? really? You think so? And this year he's been ripping them. He's just been going out there and shooting immediately. This is uh, his, this is going to sound improved too. This is going to sound weird, mm-hmm. but I, I I think it's important for me to throw it out there immediately because you're talking about it. I think there's a difference between Filipino doesn't want to shoot the puck. Filipino wants to score goals. There is a difference. You are correct. Truba wants to shoot the Truba puck. wants to shoot the fucking puck. And God <laughs> bless that man for shooting the puck. When Phil Hedl has the puck on his stick, his Mission isn't to find the best shot for himself. His mission is, how do I put this puck in the back of the net? Right. Whereas Truba gets the puck and he goes, it's Truba time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Jacob Truba time. And that's, that's exactly what it is. I, you're right. There is a difference, though, this year. And the speed at which they're playing, they look incredibly dangerous when they have offensive zone time. 
And by the way, they keep the puck too. It's not just that they look dangerous and they're making these transition plays. It's that they're able to cycle. They're able to create multiple chances. And of course, the Panarin, the Panarin Fox cycle is very dangerous. But when you add Philip Hedl's speed to the center of that, and Lafreniere can actually make creative, some do, do some creative playmaking, and also had that goal, by the way. Congratulations to him. Uh, off the schneid. Kako is not there yet. Uh, it is it is an extremely dangerous line. And I, I've loved small things about every single line this year. The Mika Kreider line still works. You know, I, I still think it's dangerous. We'll get to a five-star question about that. Uh, the, the, the Panarin Laf Hedl line has just been out of this world. I do love the way Will Cooley's playing with Trocek. I think that is a perfect checking line. If Wheeler could figure it out. Fourth line, a little bit to be desired. Fourth line, whatever. I don't know. I kind of like Nick Benino, man. It, he's been good, especially on the faceoffs. There's, yeah. there's times where he's like gets exposed a little bit, but he's one of those guys that I just want in the playoffs. It doesn't really matter. Let's just get there. Oh, yeah. You need, you need the dudes who just understand the assignment every now and then. Nick Benino knows he doesn't need to score even 10 goals to be the guy that the Rangers need this year. He just needs to be essentially a human battering ram or a human puck magnet. Uh, and got news for you, Ryan. Full 10. He's doing yeah, great. Benito will be, he'll have his nights that he's on and off, but he's a fourth liner for a reason. He's, he's paid that much for a reason. But he's also brought in to win, help win serious games. And I would not consider, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, yeah, the Columbus Blue Jackets game two and the Coyotes game three, serious games. No, it, again, it, there's no such thing as a must-win game in October. Just isn't. I understand two points in October equals two points in April, too. That all makes sense to me. That's all nice and fine. It's the second game of the year. Some games are more important for your opponent than they are for you. The range, it, it would be a different conversation if I felt like the Rangers laid an egg. A couple Rangers laid an egg, but the Rangers looked the better team throughout. While I think the correct amount of points went to the correct team, I didn't come away from that game being like, oh my God, the Rangers. Was this a, was this all a mask on opening night? Are we in a, are we in trouble again? And you know, some nights you just lose six to four and it's just shit happens. Those nights are going to be few and far between with Igor Shosturkin and goal. I'm very positive of that. So no, I, I'm not going to lose. I didn't lose any sleep over the Blue Jacket game. I'm not going to lose any sleep over the Blue Jacket game. And again, I'm not going to lose sleep when this happens 15 more times this year. No, it could happen this week. <laughs> they they play one more home game before they go on a West Coast road trip, which is good to get out of the way early, but we will be staying up late for a lot of next week's games. So at 10 o'clock at 9.45, people screaming at me from Europe right now saying I watch at 2 a.m., 2 a.m., all these games. Ryan, I hate you. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. Um <laughs> Uh, transition, and then we'll get to some five-star questions. What do you think? I mean, you're the boss. Do you have anything else you want to talk about extensively before we uh, head to five-star, I guess is the question? Were the Texas Rangers actually building something special, and did they need <laughs> Jacob DeGrom to build that something special? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I literally thought this today. I was like, Jacob DeGrom could get a ring. Yeah, <laughs> it made me sick. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, he could get a ring. Like, I, uh, but it's big. Put my name on the assignment when you hand it in energy. Pitch three games, yeah. I know. I'd really, I'd really, I don't want Verl. The problem is, here's the problem, Ryan, and then yes. we, we can get to five stars after this. Sure. The best chance to prevent Verlander or Scherzer from getting a ring and me having to live with that in a year in which the Mets traded them is the Philadelphia Phillies, <laughs> and I'd rather put my body through a fucking wood chipper. 
Diamond, you're definitely a Diamondbacks boy right now. That's I for sure. love the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Corbin Carroll forever. Please, Diamondbacks, I'm begging you. Also, will you trade me Francisco Alvarez for Taj Bradley? Can we send definitely, this trade in today? Definitely not. No chance. Come on, you shitbag. Zero percent chance on that one. Christian Javier for Francisco Alvarez. Pass. Uh, Alvarez is a very special catcher. Bryce Miller for Francisco Alvarez. Again, pass. Um, Lucas Giolito. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll take the wood chipper. Thanks. Uh, uh, all right, let's uh, let's transition over to five stars. Transition, and we're back. Okay, uh, got some five star questions. You want to answer? Ask a five star question in the show. You can leave them on our Patreon. You can subscribe to our Patreon. Blue shirts break away, and uh, had a lot of new subscribers this week. Welcome, some of you psychopaths. Go to the five star questions thing on our Discord. Ask them here. We read them on the show every week. Oh, I got. Uh... Last week, hmm. this will be the third straight week I do two bonus podcasts in one week. You're so sicko. You're getting your bang for your buck. Two gambling with Greg's this week, Ryan. You're doing a double? Yeah, we're doing NBA over-unders tomorrow night. Oh, that's a sick one. All right, I actually might listen to that one. <laughs> um, bullshit. Oh, I might. PJ, uh, I've been really off on Simmons lately. He's been really pissing me off. Oh, man. <laughs> it's been I, so bad. I did not. He was so big on the Steelers and the Patriots before the season started that it's kind of... It's hard, man. I love it's, the guy. I don't think this podcast would exist without Bill Simmons. And sir, couldn't agree more, but this has been a – where's your fastball is at 86, Bill? What's going on? It's, <laughs> one those, it's been – One of those seasons. It's been t- – I like him a lot more in the rewatchables than I do when he's talking sports these days. The sports stuff has been really tough. I don't know if you listened to the uh, the regular seasons don't matter anymore speech he gave. Sure did, buddy. Oh no! Oh, God, <laughs> I just every. Oh. But at the same he's like, time, he's like, shouldn't the good teams win? I was like, yeah, Bill. Well, then they, they should. should just, they I, should just fucking win. Then, here's, eh? here's my thing. I I don't know what what more. I will say this. I didn't hate his idea of giving baseball teams all five games in the National cool. League Division Series. I, I, NBA too. Fine. Yeah, I don't think it would have changed any of the outcomes. The Rays just fucking sucked. Like, I'm sorry. You won a hundred or- games, Ryan. You cool. stunk. Against the Orioles, the, the Dodgers, the Braves, like yeah, man, I'm right there with you. They Just all win. I, I what? I get it. 109 wins doesn't mean what it used to, but I don't want to go back to the days where we just send two teams from each league into the World Series and call it a day. Yeah, you could do you could do this and not play the playoffs and just say like the season's what matters and whoever wins the season wins. And it, that's what it's really it's very it's very clear that the postseason matters because I can't believe the Marlins fired their GM today. Dude, come on now. What what are we doing? Uh, five star questions. This is from PJ Smith. One. What would you give up to see the New York Rangers win a Stanley Cup? The Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Mets. Oh, I love when this question comes up because it, it comes gives up me like every four months. It, well, it definitely <laughs> comes up at the beginning of every year because I get to repeat something that I've said over and over again. I would sacrifice the New York Rangers from existence to get one Met title. Yeah, you said this every time. I would sacrifice the Mets for a lot less. <laughs> Like a lot less. If if God, in all her almighty glory, came down and said, Gregory, today's the day. I'm giving you the option. You can either have five straight Stanley Cups with the New York Rangers or one Met title that you might not even be alive for the parade after it happens. Which are you taking? With bells on the Mets. But, the guys, this is – everyone listening knows the answer. I know, but like, so <laughs> what would I honestly give up for the Rangers to win a title? I wouldn't give up shit to see the Rays do it because they're pathetic. Um, but I would give up a lot for the Rangers. Like, maybe, uh, maybe I'd give up gluten. 
I'd give up the Rays. Like, sure. Cool, man. Yeah. Like, they, they suck. It doesn't count that you're, your best player is a pedophile. That's why you're doing this today. He's, he's not our player anymore, man. Okay. <laughs> he's throwing the contract. We, we, don't, we don't claim him. It, it's God. a low bar. I, I don't know. It's a, but we, we've had the higher level conversation with this where this is, we've done this podcast for so long. I do get excited and have experienced super highs and devastating lows with the New York Rangers, but I'm in a, I'm in a business relationship with them at this point. I, I say the same thing to some people that ask me like, what do you, do you like love the Rangers? Like, yeah, dude, it, it actually affects my mood every single week, no matter what I do. But, um, there are times where it's just nice to watch. One of the reasons I like watching Liverpool so much is like, man, that was such a sick goal. <laughs> and that's as far as I have to think about it. I was like, wow, great. That's, that's as literally as far as my brain goes. Yours is a disease. It's a little different. Oh, with the Mets. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, but I, I have like, I had, there's still a few things on this earth I love doing more than just sitting down, not worrying about tweeting and watching college football. It's just a totally different thing. Yeah. It's, it, it's, sometimes it's, it's working with the Yeah, it, I can check out. I don't have to yep. think hard. I do similar with the NFL, too. By not having a team in the NFL, the, my problem is I gamble on all the other teams and like have yes. to experience fan, fantasy football, Ryan. This might be my last year. I fucking hate it. I'm out. I'm out. I've been out, as you know. I'm out. It sucks. It you want to talk about if regular seasons are too long. I I just I don't understand how fucking people like fantasy football. I I, I did it for so long, man, and it's just not for it me. It ruins my Sunday if I have the wrong stupid flex guy in my lineup. And even if I make the right decision and it blows up in my face, I fucking hate it. Why do I have to care about Kazir White and whether he got a sack? I, 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 I'm making my IDP point for me. Um, <laughs> after all these fucking years. Well, no, because I still got Aaron Darnold and Micah Parsons. I, know, and I love that. It sucks. Fans football. I'm out. Um, this is from uh, Zangarang. Why do you think Laviolette had made VC the odd man out over Picklick or Benino? Benino? Are they that much better than Jimmy, or does Lav want to get them more used to the system? And yes, I know worrying about the 12th forward is a very, very minor pro- problem. He did play. Like, this was asked before the, for, after the second game. So VC did, did end up playing. It does seem like he, Laviolette came out and said, you know, you want to get everyone involved. Really like that about Laviolette, too, by the way. And uh, I just think I just think those are his guys. I like VC a lot more. I think he's a, a better player. That's it's pissed. It made me upset for no reason, but I'm just not worried about it because he got he's going to get time. And he's going to get time maybe next game, too. Yeah, and again, the best part about having Jimmy Vesey as your 13th forward is if someone does get hurt, you're putting Jimmy Vesey in your lineup and not, God love him, Johnny Brzezinski. I think it's pretty cool that you could sit Blake Wheeler and put Jimmy Vesey in. Like, like, I don't think you should do that, but you can do it. That's really nice. Yeah, the 13th forward for the New York Rangers is an honest-to-God, at least no worse than league average NHLer right now. That is such a lovely problem to have that I'm not going to worry about who that third. And same thing with if Tyler Pitlick was the 13th forward, I would be saying the exact same thing where whoever the first guy up for the New York Ranger is, I am confident he is no worse than a league average bottom six forward, which is hard to come by. Uh, I like this question a lot. It's from Stinkface McPoop Lightning. Okay. (laughs) Ever since the letter... There's been an unofficial award for a defenseman that the Ranger fans seem to universally dump on. 17 and 18, Kevin Shattenkirk. 18, 19, Mark Stahl. 19, 20, Jacob Truba. To be fair, it was his contract. 2021, 20, Tony D'Angelo. 21, 22, Jack Johnson. Wow, do you remember Jack Johnson? I don't think uh, that was 21, 22, though. That was... I think it was earlier, agree. Um, and then 22, 23, Lieber Hayek. Who is the winning the, the award for this year on this extremely likable D-Corps? I mean, 
I don't think anybody will. Uh, I don't know. The people, only person people that can have be been dumping, Well, people have been dumping on Schneider. Mm, so far, you're right. Could be, it could be British side. Truba was all last year, too, by the way. Not just Libra Hayek. Uh, so people there are just, times. People, people haven't liked Truba the second he signed that contract. Yep. I mean, it makes sense. I actually don't think anybody will get extreme hate this year to the levels of those people you just named. No, all. because that's that's the other thing. Most of the guys, excluding Truba, should not have been on NHL he, rosters. He definitely forgot Patrick Nemeth. That is a big miss. <laughs> yeah, that guy got filleted. I am confident the seven defensemen the Rangers have. I mean, it could be Ben Harper still, your boy. Uh, this is from Nick. What do you guys think about Laffy taking faceoffs for Heedle? Is Laffy a good center? Does that amplify his value to the team? More than being a right wing. I will say it was really cool when he went four for one winning faceoff, and I didn't know he had that in him. Yeah. Mostly probably because the Heedle is injured on his shoulder or something like that. I have a question. That's fine. Do people think being a center means the only thing a center does that a winger doesn't is take the faceoff? No, there's a lot more. You yeah. control the pace of play. You control the center of the ice. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah a lot. So Lafreniere being a better faceoff guy than Heedle, and I think it's more just Heedle had an upper body injury in camp in La Violette. Color me shocked is doing something where he's putting his players in their b- position best to succeed. Yep. Um, if Lafreniere can win faceoffs, that's great, wonderful. Actually, but I, I, I think I think him being, coaching yet again. Yeah, I I think once that's done, there's nothing he does on the ice that I would be like that man is a center man. Uh, this is from two C Philip Hurdle question mark. What's the over-under and how many times Joe is going to explain this 1-3-1 thing this year? Because I don't know if my heart can take it. As Also, how soon do you think Sam either brings up Alex Lafreniere exists and gets laugh confused with him? Uh, I, don't uh, think I think you ever... mean Alex Laferriere? Yes, Laferriere. I did it. There you go. I'm there. Uh, I don't think Sam does that, and I think Joe's going to do it like four more times? Probably. Ooh, I think Joe will do it until Thanksgiving. Oh, that's good. That's a good th- date. I, and then after Thanksgiving, it's going to be like, We've talked a lot about this one three one, Sam, and you're seeing it in action again. And that it, that'll be him explaining it without actually explaining it. This is from Cal. Is anybody else annoyed that the Rangers are bringing back the no quit in New York slogan confirmed on their YouTube page? I don't believe they are bringing it back, and I will not bring it back myself. You know what's there annoying? Team slogans. Why? There's some good ones that, that really hit. This is not one. This uh, is the not 2006 one. Mets were the 2006 Mets. Our team, our time. And I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> even then I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> Trinity of Misery. Oh, speaking, good transition here. Trinity of Misery asks, uh, what happened to Glant that his players loved? What What happened to the Glant that his players loved? There we go. I think when you go from David Quinn was overbearing and was treating adults like college students. So when you immediately transition to I'm going to treat you like adults and just let you guys be you – I think that first year is freeing and great. It's kind of like, remember those first three months you worked from home during the yes. shutdown? Yep. And everyone was super productive, super comfortable. But then you get a little too comfortable sometimes working from home, and suddenly you find yourself playing video games for five hours a day. I'm not saying I do that. I'm sometimes my sometimes my Steam list. I'm I'm like I have a lot of work to do, and there there are a lot of my friends are on Steam and playing games. I'm like it's two p.m. <laughs> <laughs> but what's going on? I, you know, those first three months, you're asking the question out loud, saying things along the lines of, "Why should anybody ever go back to the office again? We can be all super productive working from home." And I do. I find myself. I now work uh, a hybrid schedule where it's three in, two 
three in office, two days work from home. And that's honestly the perfect schedule for me where I just feel energized every time I go to the office. And when I'm working from home, I feel more motivated to do the very small, basic things I have to do on a daily basis. But also like when I was working my old PR job, that was maybe the worst yeah, thing that's could, ever happened you, to me. You could stop there. <laughs> there were, there were, there were literal days where I was talking to you. I was so bored, Ryan. I was talking to you. Like that's, that's how it, boring that yeah, you're job like, was. Do you want to do an extra podcast? Like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're like, Greg, listen, I got a really busy day. I'm not doing shit, Ryan. You tell yes. me. But so, um, yeah, I, I think that first year when you're just not being micromanaged, it's wonderful. But that second year when you're not being managed at all, you start asking questions when things go in poorly. Like, hey, is anyone going to do anything about this, please? Uh, next is from our friend David. How shocking is it that the Truba helmet appears to be the second best coach in the AV Love era of coaches? Pretty shocking. I would so we've been through Vino, Vino, Quinn, Quinn Galant, yeah. Galant, Mallet, Yeah, I'm gonna make you rank the first three, best to worst. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, Elaine Vigneau is the best coach of the three. I think that's not close. I can't believe I'm saying this. I, can't, I really can't believe I'm saying this. I think David Quinn is the second in that ranking. You've listed two coaches and then a guy who was hanging out wearing a suit. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. I know I it, can't. I, it feels weird to say. Like through the winningest seasons in Ranger history are under Gerard Gallant. He brought the Vegas team to the finals. There's a lot there. Elaine Vigneault was the perfect coach for that specific era of Ranger hockey. As much as I hate the man, and as funny as it was to watch his coaching career crash and burn in his post-Ranger life, you can't, any Ranger fan, can't sit anywhere and say Elaine Vigneault was the wrong guy at the wrong time. He was not a guy to go through a rebuild with, which is a great reason why the Rangers moved on from him. They probably should have moved on from him sooner. They didn't need to give him that contract extension. All these things are true. But at the time, that peak, those two years where they lost to the Kings and the Lightning and Hank was the best player in hockey, AV was the guy for those years. And then all the things that people liked that happened under Gerard Gallant were David Quinn findings Quinn put Lindgren and Fox together Quinn created this power play one monster what we hated from Quinn was the fact that it almost seems like he didn't realize he was finding success in small areas and wasn't allowing the roster to grow and develop and gel but it was also Quinn who put Strom and Panarin together Quinn got a shitload out of Strom Strom was an afterthought when the New York Rangers trade they trade Ryan Spooner for him they weren't exactly hoping that's a deep cut for a lot of people listening like who (laughs) yeah they didn't when they got ryan strome sure they were buying into the upside but they were prepared for ryan strome to be flat out bad and david quinn turned that man's entire career around david they they got ryan strome paid they got him a five-year contract panarin and david quinn got him set for life legitimately yeah I, i david quinn did a lot of good david quinn did a lot of bad but he did a lot of good whereas Gerard Gallant allowed the roster to exist, which worked for a year. I don't know if I could say he, like, 
Name an adjustment that Gerard Gallant put in place that you feel good about. Can you name one? No. <laughs> I can't. Like, I'm not even trying to be a jokester here. A little prankster. I, I don't. I like he did. He put Lafreniere with Mika to save his job, like as a joke, and then they did, <laughs> and then they actually did save his job, and that was kind of it. But okay. from Gerard, from Gerard Glantz, two years, he there, nothing he, has carried over that was a quote unquote Glantz staple. He finally sat Patrick Nemeth, and then they won the Penguin series. Like I guess that's like yep, it's about as far as it goes. I don't know. I. Quinn, they are still Quinn traits to what the Rangers are doing now. There's still like stamps of Quinn's former imprints on this team. Whereas, Whereas with Gallant, there's yeah. fucking nothing. Yeah, there is not. Uh, this is kind of one, one more we're talking about Gallant. That's from Cole. Which team should 100% hire Gallant since he's an amazing coach and can make any team better? I think Pittsburgh would do well with him. I agree. Uh, is it funny that I, I do think if... Gallant coached the Islanders next year. They would be a playoff team, and then they would be out of the playoffs for 10 years? No, I, I don't think that. I think the Islanders would take a significant step back if Gallant came there. Uh, final question from Avery Rules. Do we think Columbus put their backup goalie in on purpose? No, please listen to the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> he was vomiting, Ryan. He was vomiting. I just, I'm so confused. Columbus wasn't talking about the fact that their goalie was vomiting. They were blissfully unaware they were saying things about how well he was playing, how he's looked really good against the Rangers. And meanwhile, how he was looking was vomit. He wasn't even, the thing that got me, he didn't even lift his mask. He kept, he, his hands were firmly on his knees, vomited into his mask, and then just played in it for another 15 minutes. I, I like, oh my God. Imagine Wait, you were shit. wearing a mask, like a surgical mask. And then you're at the grocery store in the heart of the pandemic and you vomit and you just continue shopping. That's what Dis- Elvis was doing. Disgusting. Um, we are, uh, this podcast is over. There you go. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I think we're recording uh, later this week for BSBOT. Uh, AKA... we, I thought Thursday. Are we not doing Thursday? When the Rangers yeah, play Thursday again? night sounds right. When are the Rangers Thursday night post game? Yep, Thursday night. Yeah, post-game Thursday, yeah. Yes, sir. So BSBOT will be out post-game Thursday. You can listen to that. And then uh, enjoy the 10 o'clock game on Saturday, everyone, because, boy, that's fun. Um, I'm old as hell. So you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Oram. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back with BSBOT Thursday night. Please support us on Patreon. It's how we live. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, so I'd like to thank our NHL Insider Club members by mispronouncing their names. It's actually my favorite part of to do this show because I don't have to talk to Greg so that's nice and it's also my favorite place to talk hockey in the entire world honestly the Insiders Club is the only chat I really check every 30 minutes it's kind of sad and pathetic but we have a great time in there anyway Adam Cassie Adam Cohen Adam Cartulo Adam Keech Alex Kramer Alex Flynn Alex 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 whoa dude what's wrong with me Alex Gardner Amber Cohensberger Andrew Ronner Anthony Gray Anthony Motoro Anthony Tenagreta Tenagreta I think I nailed it this time. Nice. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bennett Lomayer, Bill Olson, Bill Rotel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Ranger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doherty. Brian Doherty? 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 Dude, it's my, my brain is glazed over. It's like Monday night. It's about 11 p.m. Just watch the game. Still here. Brian Gallagher, Brian Mellon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Roman, Chris Finelli, Chris Harris, CJ Stellag, Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizan, David Narodin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz. 
Eric said, Garrett Rainus. Greg talks about the Master Execs. Garrett Gretzky for the fly. Hi, I wait for happened before I want to be grow. Nice job. Harrison has going hell of an L. Hey, Hippie 59. Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Stewart, Jason Zembraski, Jimmy Mack, John Harrison, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessabom, Josh White, Chris from Florida, Laura Ross, Lasha Kronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kahn, Matt Meeple, the Cat, Mike, Mike Canick, Mike Kukla, Mike Mancuzu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, other slash Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Paul Vokodrev, Phoenix Edition, PJ Suaro, World Pro Olympics Gamer, Randy Tessers, Weingarp, The Drop, PK, Tommy Sclair, Tommy Tony 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 Tony